live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Kelly. Happy New Year to you. (laughs) You ready for 2016? I am ready. Ready for a new year? Sure. Awesome. I think we should totally change the show. Really? No, I'm kidding. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> Made you poop your pants a little bit. I know. I was yeah. kind, of, kind of, you piqued my interest, though. Yeah, you know what I did? I Well, you know me. I have ADD, so I have 5,000 ideas a day. Right, but, right. Yeah. So I, over the break, squirrel. I had a lot of ideas. Squirrel. Speaking of squirrels, <laughs> you know that you can't play if you give a mom a cookie with me like that, right? Right. So... I got I got my my unicorn head, right? A squirrel feeder for Christmas. Yes, and yes. we hung it up, yes. and it wasn't working. Like the oh. squirrels just weren't going to it. Imagine and that. Um, we were using the wrong nuts. Oh. Oh. We were using the wrong kinds of nuts. We had to get peanuts. Oh well. So we got peanuts and put it in there, and it is the it's the most hysterical part of my day. <laughs> I can sit in my living room and just watch squirrels turn into unicorns all day long. That is hilarious. It's hilarious. But did you hear that one of the one of the asshats in Oregon is calling himself the mystical unicorn? No. That's his code name. That's his handle. Oh nice. Yeah, <laughs> he's talking to the he's talking to the news and stuff like that and he's calling is it I might be it might be something else, but it's definitely unicorn. He's okay. calling himself a unicorn. I'm like, that man is no unicorn. <laughs> he is insulting unicorns. He is. And unicorn lovers everywhere. Right. Unicorns are mystical and, and brilliant and beautiful and happiness. He is no unicorn. You, sir, <laughs> are no unicorn. <laughs> I'd like to tell him that to his jacked up face. Anyway, those people are crazy. Did you read about, you know what's going on there? Yes, yes. That that happened around here before, or it was just over the border of Arizona and Nevada, I think it was. Yeah, with Clive and Bundy. Yes, it was going on here. Okay, so you were closer to the action, Kelly. Mm -hmm. So... Like, these people are genuinely insane, right? <laughs> sure, that's a good word for them. Okay. Because I was reading the story about the Hammonds, who mm-hmm. are the ones that, the the people that are supposed to go to jail, right? Right. Now, here's the thing. Of course, there's four sides to every story. Right. The funny side, the true side, their side, and, and you know, my side. But... <laughs> 
the, here's the thing. So first, they were supposedly supposedly they started a huge fire because they were poaching deer, and they were trying to hide the evidence. So they were basically cremating the deer and started this huge fire, right? Mm. So they were arrested for that. Then, sometime in the future, a fire that had started by no fault of their own, it was a lightning fire, was getting too close to their ranch, and so they lit a fire to stop the fire, which was successful from what I read. Okay, Okay. it actually did what it was supposed to do. But and so they went to court. They and a judge said, um, gave them a sentence and said, considering that you know the nature of what you did, that's what I believe that this sentence is good enough. So they basically served their sentence and they were done. And another federal judge said, which is completely unprecedented, brought them back on the same charges. Which isn't that double jeopardy? All love's in jeopardy. I don't yes. think I should sing Our Love's in Jeopardy when I say this. No. <laughs> so, so basically said, no, this is, this is considered treason, treason act, treasonist activity because you started a fire on federal land or whatever. And so you have to serve your five years. Go, go to jail. So that's why the whole fight is happening. Do you know what right. I mean? It's mm-hmm. not, but but at the same time, you're going to take over an entire bu- government building and say, "Hey, all you other crazy asshats, bring your guns and join the party." Like right. seriously, that's mm-hmm. what we're doing now. They're mm-hmm. ruffian renegades. Ruffian renegades. I like it. They'll mm-hmm. probably like it too, though. That's what I don't like about it. Can't we just call them something more insulting? Sure. Lisa said we should call them squirrely corns. <laughs> oh no, that's what I have. <laughs> right. Yeah, we can't give them unicorn names because they're not that cool. So anyway, enough about crazy. No, let's keep talking about crazy. So, how was your New Year's? It was great. It was great. Awesome. It was. It was, it was mellow. We actually went to a movie and ate a bunch of seafood. I, you know, Kelly. I'm hearing a trend. Really? Parent Nation, I think you should go on Facebook and tell us what you did for New Year's because I'm starting to notice a trend. I, You know, I talk to a lot of parents. Sure. And a bunch of the parents that I've been talking to recently have kids that are teenagers. Mm-hmm. So they're too old to send to a babysitter. Right. They're too old and risky to send to a friend's house (laughs) or to leave home alone, right? We know that's not going to work. So we wind up staying home with our teens. Right. Yeah. See, Lisa played video games with her nine-year-old. That's what I'm talking about. It's like... It's it's become a family night. It has become family night, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's good. It was pretty relaxing. We did this thing with, um, you know, those lanterns, those paper lanterns that you can send up into the sky. Yes. We went up to our friend's house, our neighbor's house, and it was just like six of us. It was very intimate. And, um, and we set off those lanterns. Chris, Chris has crashed and burned. <laughs> he is. <laughs> His was the Hindenburg. But no. the, um, the rest of them, it was beautiful. They they really went far, which was actually almost scary. But 
it was because we live in the woods, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that was very nice. It was freaking cold, but oh, it was yeah. nice. It was a very nice celebration. I think that you know, there's a lot of crazy talk going on in the world. You know, oh, they yeah. have those threats for at, in New York and all that stuff. So. You know, I think a lot of people just decided to not get wasted and stay home. Except right. except for that one crazy chick. Did you see the letter on that I posted on uh on my Facebook page? Mm, I'm not sure. The girl who was out with her friends at this bar that they frequent, I guess regularly, and um she was out with her friends and um Apparently, someone died in the bar, and she was pissed. Oh. So she okay. like wrote this whole thing about you know that this this woman who died just like completely ruined her New Year's Eve, and and she can't believe that she was um, rushed and and talked harshly to by the the waitresses because they were just trying to figure out their bill. And so they could go and, you know, there's people like working on this woman and on a gurney in the middle of the dance floor and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'll never go back to that bar again. And she like wrote this whole scathing thing on Facebook, yeah. tagged the bar, right? Oh, jeez. So the bar owner comes back because she wrote things like, you know, you, some, you let some crackhead come into your bar and get, get, you know, kill herself, basically. That's what she wrote. So the bar manager wrote back. I don't know if it was manager or the owner, but the bar owner wrote back. And it was so passive aggressive that I was applauding the entire time. It was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll tell the family of the 70-something-year-old woman who had a heart attack while she was trying to dance with her with the love of her life on the dance floor that she ruined your night. Oh, gosh. You know, she wasn't a crackhead. She was a grandmother, you know, out with her friends. And it was like, it it just, the thing that was funny, Kelly, and I did this experiment on Facebook on purpose. I wanted people to go on and read the woman's post first Mm -hmm. because it was, it was very, um, it was very centered around her emotions and how she was wronged and, you know, using terms like, you know, letting that crackhead come in and get doped up and die in your, in your, in your restaurant or in your bar. You know, it really made you think this, this place is run by dumbasses, right? Right, right. And then the waitress coming over and using the F word and all this other stuff and, and, you know just making them feel terrible. So uh, I wanted people to read that as a social experiment and then form an opinion about it and then read the manager's reply. Uh huh. Because I think that we have gotten so caught up in assuming the first thing that we read is true. Oh, sure. That we don't even bother to go back and do the research. You know what I mean? Like we don't Why? even. Why well, should we? Right. Why should we bother to find <laughs> out the opposing opinions before we form our own? That's insane. That's crazy talk. That's not how social media works at all. That's how none of this works. And that's th- that was my thing. Like I wanted people to really take a look at how we need to check our attitudes. Um. So anyway, I, I just found that completely amazing. That this, this girl was not from the um, entitled Millennium Group, was she? 
Well, of course she was, Kelly. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean. There is no such thing. You know, we spent $700 in that bar that night, and we were asked to rush through getting our check together? Well, just because someone was dying? Oh, I should add that the woman wound up not dying. Mm, well, Cute lady good. who did not die. No, but she she wound up not dying. She went to the hospital, and they did save her. Um, but, but, you know, the whiner chick wouldn't know that because right. she didn't care. She didn't care to know that. It is a good story. Another case of affluenza, maybe. Yeah, tell me about affluenza. <laughs> Achoo! Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, they spelled that wrong. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so, have you heard about affluenza teen? Yes. More about him? So, what's going on, Kelly? He's from your neck of the woods, right? Uh, uh, I don't... Gosh, I don't even know. I know he fled to Mexico. Mexico, and now they got him. Then they send it. He's from Texas, I believe. Oh, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, he's a Texan. Yeah. So the, now, mom, mom is back. They sent mom back, mm-hmm. but not teen. Teen, they're keeping. Wow. Wow. How's that working out for you, Ma? <laughs> You thought United States prisons were bad. Right. Even in Texas, they're not as bad as they are in Mexico, where you left your kid. You dumbass. I can't stand people. Hey, good news. Do you remember the, the um, cafeteria worker who was fired for giving that kid a free lunch? Yes. She got her job back. Oh, wonderful. It was a miracle of Christmas. No, actually... <laughs> I, I don't even know why it literally said in the article that in the spirit of Christmas, they wanted to give her job back. Wasn't she fired like like last year? <laughs> <laughs> That's one hell of a Christmas present. <laughs> God, my kids get mad when I make them wait like two weeks for a video game. <laughs> but anyway, she was offered her job back um, because it was her first offense. And uh, so that's kind of cool. She doesn't know she's going to take it, though. Huh. You know, I, I'm not sure. She probably has a reality TV show in the works. Well, that would be nice. That would be America. <laughs> right? That's so true. So true. So true. Ay, ay, ay. Hey, um, we were, I was reading through some stuff on, I like to read, um, like, Huffington Post. They, they post the best of the best articles from 2015. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I forgot about that I really want to start in 2016, because, you know, I don't do resolutions, but I do no. goals. I do sure. goals. I want to be part of the wave of people who bring back the cocktail party. Oh, that's fun. Think about it. Did your parents have cocktail parties? Yes. How awesome were they as a kid? fun (laughs) fun exactly i got my first kiss during a cocktail party oh really i did um absolutely i think cocktail parties are awesome and but here's the thing kelly i'm don't be wearing your uggs and your torn ass jeans to my cocktail party oh okay gotta dress up unless it is a come as you are party which Mm. my parents had those two where people would show up in their pajamas. (laughs) And then you'd always have that one, that one woman who showed up in like her negligee 
Sure. Right? And you're like, oh, come on. It's not that kind of party. (laughs) Well, sometimes it was, but we don't talk about that. But I think it would be cool to have, like, we have local chefs where I live. And you probably do, too. You just have to look into it a little bit more. We have local chefs who will come to your house and bring all the ingredients and, like, whip up an amazing meal right in front of you as if by hibachi magic in your kitchen for you and your friends. So I was thinking you do that. You hire that guy or gal. And then you hire a cocktail, like a, a bartender. Right. How fun would that be? Awesome. Awesome. And they have to be like party people too. Sure. Yeah. I think today's cocktail parties would be a little different because they'd have like karaoke machines and (laughs) you'd all be playing cards against humanity. Right. Yeah. And I think you'd do way more shots at today's cocktail party. Mm. Like cocktail parties used to be laid back. I think we'd have to teach the younger generation how to do it properly, Kelly. Right, right. And I do think there would probably be less smoking. That's true. Much less smoking, but more vaping. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get rid of vaping and man buns in 2016. They have got to go. There you go. Two things that have got to go. I'm sorry. You can do a man bun. I don't give a shit, but put it under a baseball cap or something because I don't want to see it. Ugh, whatever. That is so, so funny. Well, speaking of man buns, <laughs> <laughs> it's dad day. I'm so excited. Dad day. Dad day. We got two great dads on for it. Oh, with today. We have Larry Hagner, who is not only the author of The Dad's Edge, but he's also the founder of The Good Dad Project. So <laughs> super excited to have him on the show. And, um, and then we also have Brian Post, who is one of America's foremost child behavior and adoption experts. So he's going to be talking to us about how to deal with um, difficult adopted children as well as children with certain diagnoses and that sort of thing. So that's going to be a great one, too. So I'm excited to talk to both of them. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, while we're at this break, which is going to take a couple minutes, you could go to our website, toginet.com, and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Take the Listener Survey and, uh, and pick Parent Nation and tell us why you love the show so we can bring you more of what you love. And we'll be back after this. Taking a cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. love ranch dressing. I put it on salads, burgers, french fries, and especially pizza. 
1949, a contractor named Kenneth Henson took a job in Alaska for three years. Part of his responsibility was cooking for his fellow workers. During this time, he refined a recipe for salad dressing that included buttermilk herbs and spices. Everyone thought his salad dressing was piquant or deliciously stimulating to the palate. After moving back from Alaska, Mr. Henson opened a dude ranch in Santa Barbara, California. The income from the ranch, which was aptly named Hidden Valley, wasn't enough to sustain the over 120 acres, so he started selling his salad dressing. Today, Hidden Valley Ranch is America's favorite, or uncabogable salad dressing. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? (laughs) It's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. Kelly, I wanted to actually, before we um, before we get, uh, get on with Larry here, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about um, a program that we're going to be doing this year, which I'm pretty excited about. It's Ooh. a, uh, well, you know that I do parent coaching and I have the Stop Raising Einstein right. book and all of that stuff. So um, I have a lot of people that contact me especially now because I write, I write some articles on a monthly basis for some local periodicals and that sort of thing. So um, I have a lot of people that are contacting me with questions and advice and, you know, wanting advice and stuff like that. And I just, I literally don't have the time in my schedule to deal, you know, with one-on-one coaching. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing a group coaching. Oh, um, I know, and it's going to be kind of fun, and that's the thing that that I really like about it is that it's going to be fun. Um, I've I've got a lot of I have a lot of people that have tried other programs that are kind of like I don't know can can I can I call them boring? Well, anyway, but, <laughs> so, but what we're going to do we're trying to we're trying to create a collaborative of like minded parents who are doing it right just need a little extra support and advice. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there to Parent Nation while we have a minute here and uh, and just let everybody know that they can go to my website, TaraKennedyKlein.com, and get more information about that and, uh, and join the party because that's basically what it's going to be. It's going to be a parent cocktail party. <laughs> hey, bring back that cocktail party. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. So we have our first guest with us now. His name is Larry Hagner, and he is, not only is he the author of The Dad's Edge, um, it's nine simple ways to have unlimited patience, improved relationships, and positive lasting memories, but he's also the founder of The Good Dad Project. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that we have had many, many dads um, that are... Uh, that are that are you know friends with that were recommended by Larry um to be dads on our dad day podcast so we thank him profusely for that and um <laughs> and I'm excited to have you on the show Larry how are you I'm doing good thank you so much for having me on absolutely finally the grand poobah <laughs> we ha- yeah I guess I guess I've connected you to a few, to a few people here and there huh 
Absolutely. And it's been wonderful. And Parent Nation is grateful for the work that you do. So just awesome. thank, thank you, you so much for that. So tell us a little bit more about that work that you do. Oh, boy. So, I, you know, where do I start? I mean, I, I'm, let, me, let me just start with this. Um, I'm no professional. You know, I have no accolades behind my name. I, I have no PhDs. I have I mean, nothing whatsoever when it comes to parenting. But I, I guess what I do have, you know, is a story and my own fatherhood journey. And to be honest with you, you know, I, I really kind of hit rock bottom with my own fatherhood journey, you know, husband journey about five years ago. And to be honest with you, I mean, this is, I don't call myself a perfect dad by any means. I don't have all the answers, but what I have become is a student of this, where I am just literally constantly learning, you know, whether it be from books, whether it be from mentors, whether it be self-improvement, self-growth, whatever it is, whatever I can usually get my hands on, I just try to learn, you know, something new every single day to improve, you know, my fatherhood journey, you know, my, uh, my journey as a man and as a husband. You know what's so funny about that is that the description you just gave, Larry, if you're learning something new every day, you're probably more qualified than 90% of the experts out there with letters <laughs> behind their names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm humbled for you to say that. I mean, I'm not sure how true it is, but I, you know, I'm humbled that you say that. Uh, my wife and I kind of have this this running joke, you know, that, um, you know, she's always like, man, she's like, you know, if some of the listeners on your podcast could just be you now, you know, acting the way you are, because I still make a thousand mistakes every single day. But, you know, really what the Good Dad Project is all about, uh, it's really just giving men um, a platform, parents as well, too, but mostly men, just giving us a platform of being able to talk about some of these struggles and, and some of these obstacles that we face, because, I mean, the perception is, you know, when we're parents, you know, it, we... Hardly any of us, I, I don't know any parent who has, has been, you know, trained in being a parent. You know, one day you're not right. a parent, and then boom, the next day you are a parent. And a lot of us have the perception of, man, I should just know how to do this. Like, I should just know how to do this inherently. But the thing that, that's off is that, you know, parenting and being a father, being a husband, man, it is just like anything else. It's a learned skill, and it's a skill that we are constantly learning. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I always like to address is that, you know, hey, parenting, it's not something you're going to be fantastic of right out of the gates. It's something that we learn along the way and we try to master it as we go. Yeah. Unfortunately, we get really, really, really good at it when we're like 70. Right. <laughs> By then, our like kids that. are like, what the hell? Why weren't you like this with me when I was a kid? You know? I know. I know. It, it, reminds me of that, it reminds me of that Steve Jobs quote where he says, you know, you can't connect the dots by looking forward. You can only connect the dots by looking backwards. And mm -hmm. that is so true, you know, even for parenting. But I mean, if we can arm ourselves, you know, and be open to learning, if we can arm ourselves with some strategy, just some simple skills, you know, to, to basically help us along the way. I mean, man, it just vastly improves our journey. And are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. You know, the parent that doesn't make any mistakes, those are the ones who are not engaged. And if you're worried about whether or not you are a good parent, chances are you probably are a good parent if you're concerned about it. Right. Right. Or you can be. Right. You know, like I know, I know plenty of people who are so focused on being the perfect parent that they suck at it. Right. You, 
You know what I mean? And and I say right. that in the gentlest way possible. But when they wind up being clients of coaches who are who are there to teach them, there you go. Now right. now you're on a path. And so, you know, when we say when we say things like, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking to Parent Nation when I say this, when we say things like, you can screw up continually and that doesn't make you a bad parent, uh, getting help will make you better. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a huge advantage to, to being aware, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you feel that, that you need improvement on a certain area, whether that being a wife, whether that being a husband, whether it being a mother, father, whatever it is, I mean, it's one thing, right, to be aware of it. But it's another to make sure you go out and 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 seek the skill set to be better yes. at whatever you feel that your shortcoming is, because we all have. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that I agree with. Ugh, it's so it's parenting has become the most ridiculous spectator sport next to politics that I think we have. It's really kind of <laughs> tough. You know. So, what's the number one thing that you hear from dads that that they that they really want most? You know, I think what, there's a quote I heard a long time ago that I think really speaks volumes to fathers. And it says that, you know, most men will live a quiet life of desperation. And I think that is so true. And to be honest with you, I, I was no stranger to that. I'm still, you know, from day to day here and there, I'm still no stranger to that, which is, you know, most men internalize you know, so much of our of our stress and, and what we go through and what we think about, and we don't let anyone in. Now, I'm not saying that most men, I'm not saying that men have to hug and become vulnerable and talk about our feelings, that kind of thing. Absolutely not. What I am saying, though, is that most men really struggle with finding a network of other like-minded men and other like-minded dads that they can go to when they have a struggle, a concern, an obstacle, whatever it is, to go seek, you know, some guidance or advice. And mm-hmm. most men think that, you know, we're kind of out on our own little island and everyone else around us, like, literally has it all figured out, but we don't. And mm-hmm. that is so not true. You know, the man who stands to your right and the man that stands to your left, you know, they are usually struggling just as much as you are, but, you know, we're pretty good at hiding it from time to time. But... It, if I could give you some insight of what I hear most men struggle with most is really three things. Uh, most men will tell you, I mean, I've heard it over and over and over again, is patience. And most men struggle with patience and not just patience like with kids or, you know, a, a relationship with their spouse, patience with themselves. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is most men will internalize a lot of different things and we ask ourselves at times, really bad questions internally. So like, for instance, if I could give you a glimpse of what goes on in a man's head, if we make a mistake at work, or if we make a mistake, you know, with, with being a father, you know, whatever that mistake looks like, a lot of times outspoken, or I'm sorry, internally, we will simply ask questions like, man, like, why can't I be better? Why can't I be better at this? You know, shouldn't I be stronger than this? What's wrong with me? Am I a bad father? Am I a bad employee? All these things that we think about, and here's the way our mind works. If we ask ourselves questions like that, weak-minded questions, our brains, man, they they are really, really smart. Whatever question we ask, our minds will go out and give us the answer. So if we're asking ourselves, why can't I handle this? Your mind is going to go out and give you the exact answer of, 
this is why you can't handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because you know it's because you're not good enough. And so it's like it's like this horrible vicious cycle of inner self talk, man, that just drives us nuts. And then we internalize all that, and then that's when you know our wives and our kids will usually see it show up as stress, or we just need to decompress, or you know, or we or we're not engaged. Then I mean, that's the way it shows up. But in, inside, man, we just we desperately want to become that amazing man, that amazing father. I mean, trust me, it is absolutely there. And the other two things that we struggle with is we want, you know, a deeper connection with our kids and we want a deeper connection with our wife. The problem is, is a lot of times is we sometimes we want that, but we don't necessarily know the how to get mm-hmm. that. That's, those are really three things. Those are three pillars that I hear about or three issues that I hear about most when it comes to that. And it's so funny because it's not funny in a, in a ha-ha way. It's ironic because... I have moms on the show that will tell me the exact same things that mothers deal with, right? Right. You know, we have this, we all have this huge doubter inside of us that, you know, anytime that we try something new or we want to try something new or we want to go out on a limb or expand a little bit, we have this voice inside our head that goes, you're too old, you're too fat, not enough people like you. That's a really bad idea. And it's, you know, so does your book help people to kind of dial down that doubter and maybe yeah. listen to the wisdom behind it? Yeah, in my, in my book, what I what I talk about is, uh, and, and the reason I feel like I can talk about these things is because I've, I've heard that voice just speak volumes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. who hasn't? But, you know, I call, in my book, I call that the, boy of, the voice of fear and desperation. Mm. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the voice of fear and desperation. You know, the other voices are voice of strength. You know, if you look at the way, um, I've always been fascinated with uh, the Navy SEALs, and I just got back from a retreat called the Unbeatable Mind, which is actually hosted by a Navy SEAL commander. It's a glimpse in how those men forge mental toughness, and exactly what you and I are talking about right now is how they actually train Navy SEALs, but what they call it is the fear wolf. So we have two different wolves wolves that live within us. One is the fear wolf, and one is the courage wolf. And depending on what questions we're asking ourselves is the wolf that we're feeding. So if we're mm-hmm. asking ourselves those weak-minded questions or we hear that voice that creeps up says, you know what, you're too old, you're too fat, you're too this, it all boils down to fear. And that's the wolf you're feeding if those are the questions and the comments that you're hearing. Now, if you can interdict that and if you can simply ask yourself better questions, that is where we start to lead. That's where we start to lead ourselves to solutions and to victory. So instead of saying, why can't I handle blank, whatever situation it is, you can simply ask yourself, I know I'm stressed out right now, but what can I do that's going to lead me to success in this particular situation right here and now? Wow. That's pretty awesome. Because if you think about it, that wolf, if it's the fear wolf, is basically speaking from experiences, past experiences, right. whether it's something that you did yourself or whether it's something that you observed through, you know, like through relations, other relationships that you watched as a child. So, yeah, that's, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love the way that, I love the way that we can take something as pull or as paralyzing as fear and turn it into strength. And yeah, I wish more dads I mean, could do stuff like that. I wish mean, all people could do stuff like that. 
I know, I know. It, it's one of the, it, again, it's one of those things that, man, it is just such a learned skill. And a lot of times we just feel that we innately have to have these answers, you know. And what I think most of us don't really understand is that if we can train our minds to simply, I mean, it all boils down to simply this. If we can ask ourselves better questions, it will greatly improve the quality of our life. I mean, the quality of our life is based on the questions that we ask ourselves. So, if we, again, you know, if we're asking ourselves those weak-minded questions, are we, or we're listening to that voice that wants to remind us we're too old, we're too fat, we're not strong enough, you know, that's feeding the fear wolf. But if we can ask ourselves strong questions that lead us to success, that can lead us to victory, that's feeding the wolf of courage. And that will lead us to a solution. Exactly how our minds will go out and find us an answer of, why we're not strong enough, our minds will go search for an answer of, like, what is the solution to the situation right here now? What can I do right now to make this situation better? I love that. That's so great. What great Thank advice. You. Thank you so much, Larry. I want to make sure, because we only have, like, 45 seconds left, I want to make sure yeah. that everybody knows how to get a hold of you and where they can find your information. So tell us that. Yeah, so I, I'm at gooddadproject.com, all one word, gooddadproject.com. That's where you can find our blog. We also have a podcast. Uh, you can find our podcast on our website, or you can also find our podcast on iTunes if you have an iPhone or Stitcher Radio if you have an Android. Uh, you can find my book, which is The Dad's Edge, which is nine simple ways to improve uh, un unlimited patience, improve relationships, and positive lasting memories. You can find that on Amazon. If you just go to Amazon and search Dad Edge, it'll pop right up. Um, but that is where you can definitely find awesome. me and all, all social media, Good Dad Project on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much, Larry. I was excited to have you on the show today, so I'm glad we got to chat. When we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Brian Post, so stay tuned, everybody. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. someone who is a noisy eater you know they make all kinds of disturbing sounds when they eat like slurping their coffee and crunching their cereal did you know there's a word for eating noisily disturbing others around you it's called yaffling do you have a child who's a picky eater my son johnny never wanted his peas to touch the mashed potatoes but as mark twain said Part of the fun in life is to eat what you like and let the foods fight it out inside. There's a word for a person who eats only a few kinds of foods, olaphagus. The most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 20 years she served the family nothing but leftovers. The original meal has never been found. It's merging. 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and for more Words You Never Heard, check out my podcast at wordsyouneverheard.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is Brian Post. We're going to be talking with him about the power of love, and he is one of America's foremost child behavior and adoption experts, and he is also the founder of the Post Institute for Family-Centered Therapy. And the reason that I, I really wanted to have him on the show is because he... He does a lot of work with children that are dealing with trauma, and he helps not only adoptive families, but um, families with children with certain diagnosis that may be going through some some difficult times. And I know personally for myself, especially living in the area that we live, a lot of times in the winter, it can get especially tough um, because you almost feel like caged animals when you can't go outside, you can't get away, you can't get a break. And, you know, dealing with kids who are going through seasonal effectiveness disorder, in addition to all the other stuff that they're dealing with can be really, really hard. Um, and, and kids go through depression after the holidays too, just like as adults do. Um, but often we don't consider that. So I'm really excited to have him on the show for dad day. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, Tom. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited for you to be here. So um, you have you have a lot of programs, video, audio programs, books out there. Um, you've traveled the world talking to people. What, how, what do you find is the biggest issue that you're dealing with today? Uh, actually, um, there's an easy answer to that. It's called stress. That's... that's <laughs> That yep. is, you know, it's it's the most simple answer, but it is also the most complex answer because we don't really think about stress in the context that it plays in our daily life. And if you if you just boil it all the way down to the most simple dynamic that's creating the most havoc in families, it is stress. You know, parents are stressed, kids are stressed. Everyone's stressed. You know, the world is stressed out. And then when you just like you were saying about affective uh, seasonal disorder and being trapped inside during the the holidays and and the winter, you just take that and you compound that. um, It gets pretty intense. So, yeah, stress. Stress is the biggest thing that anyone's dealing with. And do you think that it's do you think that it's a, a level of stress that we're putting on ourselves unnecessarily, or do you think it's external? Well, I think it's a combination. You know, Bruce Lipton, the, the author of Biology of Belief, says that 98% of all diseases are related to stress in the autonomic nervous system. So the the reality is, is the world we live in is very stressful. I mean, we've gone from a slow-paced world to a very fast-paced world in the the hopes of making our lives less chaotic, and we've just made them more chaotic. And then we create a lot of undue stress on ourselves. You know, the things that we 
uh, make priorities in, in life and the things that we put a lot of focus and time and attention on that really aren't that important in the greater scheme of, of relationships and love and, and happiness and getting along with one another. It's so true. You, we were just talking to um, my earlier guest, Larry Hagner, about how we we are in a society that has to live up to a level of expectation that is just completely unrealistic. And we all constantly have these voices in our heads telling us it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And it, it's did you ever, did you ever see the the Truman Show? Oh, sure, absolutely. I, I believe that we are, with, with social media at the level that it's at, I believe we're all living in kind of like a Truman show. It's like our lives are blasted out there to, to the Ethernet for everybody to see forever, and it's killing us. Yeah, it is a very interesting dynamic for sure. I mean, we've all, I, I feel like most of us um, were, were raised in communities of keeping up with the Joneses at some level, even though it may not have been spoken. And then now you have everything that's, you know, connected to social media and the lens that everyone is under. And it definitely, not only does it create more stress from just the, the perception and the number of eyeballs on you, but there's also the, the involvement. It's the involvement and the lack of social true social connection that gets created because of it. But one of the things, before I forget and we move on, what I want to mention about stress is the other thing we don't take into consideration is food. The food we eat these days is complete garbage. The food we feed our children is complete garbage. Our bodies can't process it. And that is another level of stress that we're dealing with, you know, sometimes three or four times a day and we don't even think about it. Oh, my gosh. And if it's a teenage boy, like eight times a day. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. It, I have to be honest with you. Coming off of an extended period of time, like the holidays that we just went through, where you're eating, where I come from, we call it schleck. It's like, you know, it's all carbohydrates and cheeses and heavy foods and all the, just so much junk that we're putting into our bodies Mm-hmm. By the time the kids go back to school, I can't wait to just not eat for a day. Like, sure. oh, oh my gosh. And my kids are looking at me like, what do you mean you didn't make dinner? I'm like, dude, just don't eat for a day. <laughs> Drink <laughs> tea. How many times do we actually, after we go through something like that, we're craving a nice, clean vegetable? Exactly. <laughs> You know, and and in Pennsylvania, unfortunately, you know, it's 12 degrees. A salad just isn't cutting it. That's right. You know, but whatever. Actually, Brian, I wanted to let you know we have a caller on the phone. Um, Dandra is on, and she has a question for you, so I want to welcome her. Hey, Dandra, how are you? Hi, my name is Dandra. I like Dandra. Okay, well, I'm Tara. I get Tara, so... (laughs) Oh, hey, fine. No problem. Uh, Brian, um... I am a guidance counselor um, at the middle school level um, mm-hmm. in Indiana, and um, I uh, was wanting to know if you had information uh, regarding um, becoming a behavioral therapist. I wasn't sure if your institution offered that or if you knew of um, any colleges or universities um, that um, I could get that type of credential from. 
So you're you're talking about a behavior, some kind of behavioral certification or a degree? Because you know, yeah, to be a behavioral, behavioral certification. Yeah. Oh, a behavioral certification. Okay, we um, offer from time to time a behavior training. You can go to our website. It's postinstitute.com. And we have a lot of resources on there, but from time to time, we'll do a certification uh, for our way of working with children. Um, and I'm trying to think right off the top of my head if there is one that I know of that's just ongoing, and I, and I apologize, I don't. Interesting. Okay. Does that because, answer your um, question, Dondra? If there's anywhere I could give you um, my information... Well, just um, email maybe, me. Um, just email me. So, yeah, go, we can absolutely, we can absolutely connect you. Yeah, just go to postinstitute.com and you can send me an email. Okay, great. Because as you know, I have a lot of kids that have a lot of issues that they absolutely. deal with. Absolutely. And um, you know, Fantastic. I I come into contact with them every day, of course, um, and. Um, I think I do a pretty good job in dealing with it because I've been doing this for a while. But yet at the same time, you know, the biggest issue is the behavioral issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just like to get some type of certification to help in that. Okay. Area. Awesome. And help parents as well. Thank you so much for that, Dondra. That's awesome. And we will absolutely connect the two of you um, through email, if that's okay. And Dondra, if you stay on, uh, Lisa, the producer, will get your information. She can pass that on to Brian. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. That was a great question. So, Brian, your institute, your, the, you actually, you train parents in behavioral or you train professionals in we, behavioral we therapy? We do both, and so we've uh, over over the, the history of the Post Institute, which is uh, started in 2001. Um, we've trained probably a thousand professionals in our love-based parenting model, and oh my gosh, we've probably reached a hundred thousand parents. Um, but yeah, it's we offer a certification from time to time, just that goes over discussing stress and trauma and the brain and developmental stages and, and how to parenting tools and techniques. So yeah, we, we we've done quite a bit. You do talk a lot because so you work with individual adoptive families as well, correct? Yes, I have in the past. Uh huh. So do you work with them with their individual children's needs? Or do you teach a basic therapeutic approach? No, everything's individualized based on the, the kind of the underlying theory, which is all behavior arises from a state of stress. And in between the behavior and the stress is the presence of a primary emotion. There are only two primary emotions, love and fear. It's through the expressing, processing, and communicating of the fear that we calm the stress and diminish the behavior. So that's kind of the, the foundational theory. And when I go into a home, I work with uh, the entire family, all the family dynamics. I don't just focus on the adopted child because the adopted child is just that, the adopted child. Mom and dad both come with their own array of issues. The, the siblings have their own array of issues. And it, it's a, you know, it's an intermingled dynamic. And so I feel like a lot of therapists do adopted children, foster children of grave injustice by just doing individual therapy with them or just doing family-focused therapy that focuses on the child because it, every, we all have issues. 
And mm. it's not just the adopted child in the home that has the issues. And, and nine times out of ten, it's not. It's the adopted child's issues <laughs> that trigger the parents' issues, which were yeah. even bigger than what the child's issues were. 100%. I'm so glad that you said that because there are so many people that come to, I'm sure come to you and come to me as well and say, basically fix my child. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you have to take a step back and say, you know what, why don't we all work together to fix the relationship and fix the dynamic? Because that's what's really broken. Yeah, for sure. And so do you, how do you feel about, because you don't just work with adoptive children, you work with children uh, that are... Um, anyone who's struggling. That have, right, that anyone who's struggling, basically. So do you feel that children are being overdiagnosed and overmedicated? Oh it's ridiculous. Uh, for sure they are being overmedicated, but the medication just follows the diagnosis. And typically professionals just get stuck on diagnosis because they're just looking for something to give themselves a little bit of understanding and to give the parents a little bit of understanding. But the problem with the diagnosis is that it scapegoats the child. The moment I tell you your child has a diagnosis, you start looking at your child as having a problem. The moment mm -hmm. I say to you as a parent of a family, look, you're all struggling. Let's figure out these dynamics within the family so we can help all of you relate better. And yes, we will take into consideration your child's unique needs and struggles, but they're no, they're no more greater or less than anyone else's needs in the family. And see, I think so many people forget that because they're looking at a diagnosis as a game plan. Like, okay, now I know what's wrong with my kid and there's this list of 12 things that they're going to do consistently and now I know how to handle those 12 things. And all that diagnosis does is tells the, the psychiatrist which medication to, to, to prescribe. <sighs> The therapy tools and techniques, 98% of the time, do not change. So it can have a different name. I mean, it can be, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have to sit. I didn't personally, but I had kids who had to sit on the, in the dunce chair and put the dunce hat on their head or they had to put their nose in the corner. Well, that's no different than time, time out. Right. So it, it hasn't changed in 40 years. You know, it's all the same. And so most therapy is no different. The diagnosis just gives the doctor some indication of which medication to start with. But most children don't ever end up on just one medication. They end up on three to five medications. <laughs> exactly. And then this medication is causing that problem, which we medicate. It's well, and, and the, the, the basis for that is it's fear-based prescribing. See, mm -hmm. when we feel helpless and we get scared, we're just trying to fix the problem the best we can. Doctors are not immune to that. They can be some of the worst, actually, because we're going to them looking for solutions. And so when they can't fix it, they get stressed out and then they start prescribing more. And then they don't start considering that now they're, they're prescribing for side effects that the drugs they're prescribing are creating. Exactly. Oh my goodness. It's, it's such a, it's such a crazy uh, whirlwind of diagnoses and terminology and, you know, do this and, and put your kid on that. And I think that what you're saying is absolutely true that we all need to just take a collective step back and oh, yes. say, you know, what did we do? What steps did we take up until this point to get us here? 
and and maybe do <laughs> as our previous guest did do some connecting of the dots by looking backwards we're on we're we're so focused on this positive look forward approach to everything sometimes we really de- do need to to look back so oh my gosh i really want everybody to be able to get in touch with you if they want to i know we mentioned it a little bit earlier but please tell us your website and where we can connect with you brian uh, post institute p-o-s-t institute.com that's our main website and, and they have uh we have lots of free articles and they can sign up for ongoing newsletter there are videos right there on the home page i mean if they just dig in right there again that's post institute.com things will start changing and then also youtube um we have a brian post youtube channel post institute youtube channel i've done lots of youtube videos i think people will enjoy as well I love videos. I think they're awesome. And your name is spelled B-R-Y-A-N, Brian Post. So thank you so much, Brian. This has been amazingly informative, and I want everybody to take advantage of all of the tools and videos and tips and everything that you offer on your website, as well as um, I want everybody to check out Larry Hagner's um, the Dad's Edge and the Good Dad Project. Such great information from dads, and we love having you guys on here every month. We have to make this more of a frequent occurrence, I think. That's and great. everybody, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, check us out on social media, on our Facebook page, or on my website, TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next week, everybody, keep playing. Message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling?